All right, man. Welcome back. Welcome back. Another off-menu podcast episode. I appreciate y'all taking the time to tune in and listen to this. Uh, so at the top, just want to say this is not, I repeat, this is not an NBA bubble edition episode at all. So if you're looking for the hoop talk, it ain't happening on this episode. Come back next week. So just want to say that at the top. This particular episode was really special. I was able to talk to Anthony Body from The Bail Project, and uh, we'll get into that soon. But I do want to say just a couple things about Hoop before we hop into the episode. Obviously, Lakers-Bucks, they lost the other night. First one seed to lose to an eight seed on the same day since, I think, 2003. I will say a couple things about basketball, and then we'll start talking about The Bail Project. One, Bucks in five, and Lakers in six. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And... Yeah, come back next week when we'll talk more about the playoffs. But uh, anyway, this was a really unique opportunity for myself to uh, to talk to Anthony Body of the Bell Project. He's a Bell disruptor in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we'll get into his story a little bit uh, in the podcast. But um, you know, this was a really cool opportunity for me to learn about something that I had been talking about from like a really novice perspective. You know, but the first couple episodes that I did with the with the NBA Bubble Edition uh, presented by Off Menu that, that I had um, talking about the Bell Project and mentioning too that this platform, as small as it is, is going to be used to talk about real shit, you know, that's happening outside the game of basketball. And obviously being a, a young black guy in this country, still trying to navigate it and trying to understand the systems that have been put in place that negatively affect people that look like me, I want to be able to talk about things that are important in, in terms of that. So. The Bell Project, obviously I've been talking about it previously, but being able to have an expert point of view on it and someone who's doing real, real work, man, in these communities of color um, and, and really just real work in general, right? A lot of people, you know, can, can, can talk, 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 but, you know, Anthony's really out there grinding, doing real work every single day. So I'm definitely grateful that he took the time for, you know, half an hour to, to chop it up with me and shoot the shits about the Bell Project. and. You know, selfishly just being able to learn from him about this this topic, but you know, also just how impressive it was, man, to hear somebody who who who's really doing this, man, who's really doing this work. So, I really hope you guys enjoy it. It, it was an interesting episode for me to be a part of. Uh, it's a tough conversation, you know. This is a really really tough conversation, interesting conversation, and one that's needed. And I hope some you know anybody who listens can can take a little bit of something out of it. And, you know, maybe share it with a friend or maybe just look up at the Bell Project in general and, you know, try to try to figure out how we can be part of the change and part of the and part of the growth of this country. So without further ado, man, enjoy the episode. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Hoop Talk next week. Bell Project this week, man. Y'all enjoy. Late night. Let's check it out, man. Two hundred eighty plus folks that we bailed out, and out of all those folks, we have a ninety six percent return rate. Sitting in jail, like whether it be just for a small level crime, sitting in jail for three days, you can lose your job. How many people can just call no call, no show for three days? All right, y'all, welcome back, man. Another off menu episode, man. This one is going to be real, real special, man. We have a unique opportunity. Uh, obviously, we've been talking about the bail project. Uh, last couple of weeks, but uh, today, man, on the Zoom, we got uh, my man Anthony from Cleveland, a bail disruptor with the Bail Project, stopping in on the pod, man. I appreciate you hopping on and, and shooting the shits with us for a little bit. I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, 
for myself, and I've been talking to, and we mentioned this before we, before we started the pod, I've been talking a little bit about the bail project, but from, you know, like a very novel perspective, obviously. So for people that, um, and even for me to get a better understanding of what actually is the bail project and your role in it. Um, yeah. What, what is the bail project? And then what do you, what do you do for them? So the bail project is a, it's a national revolving bail fund. And uh, when we say national revolving bail fund, we're a national organization that has 29 sites across the country where our central team being in LA. So with, with a bail fund, you know, it goes into bail. Well, bail is pretty much a temporary release of a person from jail who's awaiting, awaiting trial or who's sitting in jail on pretrial detention. They're released from jail for on the contingency of them being able to afford to pay a dollar amount. So we as the Bail Project, we, uh, we collect funds, whether it be from philanthropic donations, grants, and, and, and other places. And we use those funds to post the bail for individuals who can't afford bills. And most of the folks who we're posting bail for are are black and brown people, and pe most of people of color, and people in lower socioeconomic classes. So we post these, we post these bills. Uh, we get folks wraparound services, and uh, we sort of guarantee that they'll return back to court. And we collect the data and the demographics from the folks who we assist, and we use that data to to push forth policy to show that there doesn't need to be uh, any contingency, or we need to get rid of pretrial detention, and we should get rid of bail for just get rid of cash bail. Period. So. I guess for, you know, for some people too, who might not understand like the, the nuances of like what bail actually is. Like I get, from my understanding, like you pay bail or somebody posts the bail for whatever, and then, you know, you pay it and then you get out and it's contingent on you coming back to court. Is that kind of the, the way it works? So pretty much it's, it's, it's three different types of bail. So there is a cash security bill, cash security property. And it's like there, that's bail where if I set you a 10%, I mean a $10,000 bond is $10,000 you have to pay in cash or it's, you, some sort of property or thing, a house or something you can put up as collateral to for your freedom. If you can't afford that cash surety bill, that's when you'll go to a bail bondsman who will ask for 10% of that 10,000, you're giving them $1,000, and you aren't, you aren't able to get that uh, $1,000 back. So that bail bondsman works with an insurance company who, who insures that money that they put forth, they front for you, uh, and, and they guarantee that you come back to court. The other bill is a, a personal bond, a PB, and they release you on your own personal recognizance. So, mm -hmm. uh, these are for like low level offenses and some personal bonds have a, a zero dollar amount attachment to it and some bill amount personal bonds have well they give you a personal bond and they sort of almost give you enough enough room to get yourself in trouble they give you a personal bond with a twenty five hundred dollar it's a twenty five hundred dollar personal bond so you get out of jail for free but for if any reason you miss court that day oh. now you, you're gonna you're gonna get stuck in jail and you're forced to pay that money and the last bond is a ten percent bond if i give you a ten thousand dollar bond uh, you get 10% of that $10,000 $10, bond, and it'll be uh, $1,000 and plus whatever government fees there there may be. Huh. So so you're operating um, in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Yeah, operating in Cleveland, Ohio, city that's, what, 60-something percent African-American? Right. 40-something percent, or not 40, about 60% of the city. It's 60% African-American, about 60% of the city is uh, in poverty. No 66% of the city is also functionally illiterate, so... Huh. Work with a, a tough crowd. See, and that's and, and you know, obviously, like a, a lot of a lot of people have become more aware of like the the system since like George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor have, you know, have, have died. People have become more aware of like what's what's going on, right? And and realizing like it's a system, not just like you know what you mentioned, like people being illiterate. Like we can go through education, we can go through housing, and then we can go into the prison system as well. And you know. I guess is it is when we look at the prison system, 
and especially the bail system, is it is it fair to say? And I heard somebody say this before that it's it's um, the system is treating you better that if you're if you're rich and guilty than if you're you're poor and innocent. Absolutely, and uh, just that's just life in general. You know, it's different strokes for different folks, and the, the strokes for the poor folks are pretty are pretty uh, strenuous. It's like, you know, I think James Baldwin said it's like it's expensive being poor. Hmm. Expensive as it relates to like the financial burden, the mental burdens, the emotional burdens, and also the spiritual burdens that are put on you. So being poor, you know, you go into a system where you may not be guilty at all. You know, you're charged with a crime. We see we see tons of instances of it's a sports broadcasting uh, network where you get high school athletes, professional athletes, or college athletes who are falsely accused of rape or any other crimes, and they their life is put on hold. <laughs> they're given bonds or mm. or whatever, but they're not given that benefit of the doubt because they're poor or they can't afford bail. Whereas you can get a, a rich person who who may as well might just just be guilty, get a million dollar bond, but their family can afford that million dollar bond. So they're able to fight their cases from the outside. Whereas being poor, you're fighting your cases from behind bars and you're forced to, to endure the egregious conditions of jail and, and so forth. And your life is permanently altered. You know, sitting in jail, like whether it be just for a small level crime, sitting in jail for three days, you can lose your job. How many people can just call, no call, no show for three days? You right. lose your job, lose your job, you have the potential of losing your housing, lose housing, you have the potential of losing your, your custody of your children. Your life is completely altered and it sort of perpetuates a cycle where you'll, where you'll like constantly remain in the system because you're, you're constantly fiending and trying to, or right. you're constantly trying to get back on your feet. Hmm, so how does, or excuse me, how many people have you guys, just in Cleveland alone, not the totality of the bail project, but how many people have you guys helped uh, through the fund? Uh, through the bail fund at large, we're posting bail to date. I just posted two before I jumped on this call. Uh, I say 280 plus. Sheesh. And how long y'all been around in, in Cleveland alone? We've been in the city of Cleveland for, it's what, August what? It's a year and a year and one month. Damn. A year and 17, year, a year, a year and 17 days. Damn, man. Goodness. So how do the, how do people, obviously you can't help everybody, right. That can't afford bail, but how do you guys get involved and like find out the people that you guys can't help? So we can't help everyone, but we do try to provide advocacy for, for the folks who we can't help. Like even with folks who were just like recently released, like a lot of these jails across the country were depopulated because of COVID because it's hard to social distance within these jails. So uh, the folks who were released, we try to give them advocacy, whether they need assistance with jobs, housing, foods, or even transportation back and forth to court. We, we try to assist them and other folks who we haven't built out. So that's just a whole another group of folks. But as mm -hmm. far as how we obtain our list of, of people, at first, when we first started, it was like, it was very slow. The Public Defender's Office was our, our main source. And then uh, after the Public Defender's Office, while going into the jails and sort of building relationships, fostering relationships with some of our clients, you know, people are pretty like hesitant, like, jail for free like you don't want nothing like yeah. what's the gimmick like some people some people denied it like denied our, our services like because they they just didn't believe it because they're oh, shit, right yeah. system, like just fucking them over yeah after you know we started bailing people out and people started seeing like people come come to these uh come to their uh their meetings or what they schedule visits and see us and you know i will they go back in the jail i got somebody about to bail me out and they start seeing people leaving then the word started to spread throughout the jail. So that's when we started increasing the amount of folks in the jail reaching out to us. We started seeing family members reaching out to us. You know, folks in jail would have, would call their family members and they would call us on three-way, hey, I got a bond. Like, yeah, or yeah. now with COVID, 
you know, we're not allowed to go into the jail so much. We uh we have video calls, uh, basically mm-hmm. like time in the jails, and I could be on a video call, I have a scheduled visit with one client, and that one client have six people lined up behind him, like, hey, can you can you check out my bill? Can you see if I can pay your bill? So you know, the word's been, been huh. spread pretty fast. Damn. So when was the last time you bailed somebody out? Right before this call, I got like that's why I, like so I I get I get back in the apartment like what four twenty so right before this call. Damn man, what was what was their situation? You can't can't talk about that. Uh, it it it, it was a uh, one was carrying a concealed weapon and another one was uh, B and E breaking and entering. So hmm. and uh, so like it, there's like this this narrative uh, that that like yo what's the alternative to this right? Like if we don't do you know cash bail system, what's the alternative because people won't return, right? Like they won't come back if they don't have any money on the line. Is that is that something that's true? Is that a narrative that's been put out that's completely false? That's a narrative that they, that they put out there, but that's where our, our dad and our, 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 where we come in at. We're taking a gamble by putting forth that money. So uh, like I said, we have 280 plus folks that we built out. And I, out of all those folks, we have a 96% return rate. Hmm. Hmm. You know, you you in the sports, if we had a shooting average of ninety six percent or something like that, that's, that's amazing. Damn right. <laughs> so it shows that people don't have a dollar amount uh, attached to their names and getting still they're returning back to court. So the alternative that these courts can do is uh put in place more preventative factors. You know, social services that can assist people from being in the system. You know, you get some folks out here who are just bad seeds. Some folks are just bad seeds. It's period. But then you also have folks who who are just trying to fi- follow Maslow's hierarchy. You got to go through Maslow's hierarchy in order to become, yeah. become your full self. So some crimes are committed, you know, for survival. Just recently, uh, there was an article in our, our newspaper, The Plain Dealer, where there was an older gentleman who he, he had warrants in different municipalities. And each of his warrants was basically from him stealing food in different grocery stores and so forth. So hmm. he was finally arrested. And uh, he was in Cleveland jail. He sat in Cleveland jail for maybe two, three days. He died. Like so this man was sentenced to a death sentence only because like the system had failed him. The system, whether it be the criminal justice system or just the system overall, because there's no reason why he should be having to steal to, to pay for food or there's no reason why he should have to sit in jail. I think his bond was two hundred dollars, but we couldn't get to him because we got the information late. Right. And that and like that's the you know, I mean I'm in Baltimore and like much like Cleveland, you know, we're predominantly black city and you know, you go into you know, sections of the city, like $250, $400, like people don't have that. A lot you know? of money from folks. Straight, I mean, that's rent, you know? So like right. to, to to say that, you know, I can get, if you if you can afford that $400 bear, whatever it is, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, that might not be any money. So the fact that they can't even be released, right? And they're innocent, that's the shit that like to me, and, and as I've been kind of trying to learn about y'all, that's kind of, mind-boggling and once you like kind of research it a little bit you're able to understand like the whole thing is is based on just fraudulent means yeah it's, it's, it's based off the capitalistic society that we live in and, it, and it's fucked up you know uh even with COVID, like uh you know everything was slowing in jail and it was letting people out now that most cities across the country have have opened up you starting to see a an increase in the amount of folks that were within the jails amount of arrests and so forth so if, if you guys can practice, have these practices where you cite and release, you're sending people out of jail, giving them lower bonds and so forth, why can't we continue those, those efforts in place? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the monies that aren't being used to house people in jail can be used to create workforce development programs, uh, mental, health, mental health places, uh, therapy, uh, rehab, uh, 
even like some up-to-date sort of educational centers for some of these youth, youth who are off the grid and who can't tap into this antiquated educational system. So it's a, it's a lot of different avenues that, that people can take, but a lot of our representatives, the judges, or people who are the decision makers are, they lack proximity to the problems. Hmm. Like myself, I grew up in it. Like uh, I had my fair share of run-ins with law enforcement. I even had a fair share, like recently during a, during a, the George Floyd protest, May 30th, we had a protest here in Cleveland. The protest mm -hmm. uh, started peacefully. It was like 4,000 people in downtown Cleveland. Ultimately, the protest turned violent once some of the, the officers agitated the crowd. So uh, quite a few people were arrested. Well, my role being a bail disruptor and getting people out of jail, you know, I was trying to get people out of jail. Uh, after the curfew, a few things downtown was destroyed. I mean, after the protest, a few things downtown was destroyed. So our mayor put a curfew in place. I stay in downtown Cleveland, right? Like maybe less than a half a mile away from the jail. So the curfew was only set in place here in downtown Cleveland. So the, the rules of the curfew was uh, nothing was open, no stores or anything. The rules of the curfew was if you just want to get food, you can go outside the curfew zone. If you just want to work, you can go outside the curfew zone and you can walk your dog and so forth. They thought that was important. So Monday, the second, I was going to post bail for two individuals that, that were incarcerated during, I ain't gonna say I was going to post bail. First, I went to work. I went to work that morning. I sat in that courtroom with, with the prosecutors, public defenders, the judge, and we went through the docket for everyone who was arrested. Some people were given, mostly all were given personal bonds, and there were a few who were given cash bonds. And if you were given cash bonds, I came home. Actually, before I went home, I, I rode over a bridge. Yeah. And outside of the, uh, the curfew zone, she got me some Chick-fil-A. There you go. <laughs> I headed back into the, chick, the, uh, the work zone. I was stopped. That was my first stop. I was stopped by the police as I was uh, going, coming back over the bridge. I was stopped by, like, maybe it was seven cars, 15 officers. They all stopped me. I'm on my bicycle. I cycle. I cycle around downtown. It's the best means of uh, transportation. Only thing I have is my bicycle and my book bag and my Chick-fil-A and my laptop and everything in my book bag. They stopped me. They detained me. I mean, they detained me for almost an hour, like, asking me all sorts of questions. I was pissed. We exchanged words. I softened up. I offered them a, a nugget out of my 30 count. Like, you want some nuggets? <laughs> so <laughs> they got some nuggets, but ultimately, I ended up getting a citation. The citation was a failure to comply. They just saying I violated the curfew order, which I didn't. Hmm. You fast forward, go home, eat, shower, verify the information I get from the clients, and I head back to the Justice Center. In route to the Justice Center, I was stopped again. Two white officers, no, one white officer this time and a black officer, they stopped me. I show them my work badge, show them my, my address and my badge with my driver's license. They stopped me. SWAT team pull up in the truck because it's, it's like it's, it's like a, a war zone down here during the curfew. They pull up, another officer pull up, and basically they arrested me. They say, I don't listen. You know, they said I was lying about where I was going and so forth. They put me in jail for, for 24 hours, sat in jail for 24 hours. So basically, while I was going to give someone else their freedom, they took my freedom. And, uh, you know, I wasn't given a bail because I'm afforded the opportunity to I had an attorney who, who came and got me out of jail. But everyone's not afforded that opportunity. But it just shows you how fucked up the system is. Whereas, you know, you get people who get cash bills and they may not be guilty where you can have officers who can write anything on a police report and it determines how much your bill is, you know, where a simple jaywalking can turn into uh, assault on a police officer if the officer wants it to be that way. Yeah. So, you know, your body can be controlled. You know, you lose control of your body and now you're in a system where they want to charge you astronomical numbers that you may not even be able to afford to get out of jail for your freedom. See, man, that's like, that's a wild ass story, man. That, so that literally just happened in May. June, May 30th protest June 2nd I was arrested and I got out of jail through June 3rd. Shit man. So that's the I mean so for you like 
obviously just being in the system, right? Like the mental shit we were talking about earlier that you got to go through just being in jail. But even, you know, dudes like yourself, you know, fortunately being able to afford something like that to be able to get out of jail and the fact that, you know, somebody else in your system growing up in, you know, some tough part of Cleveland that's not downtown or, you know, anywhere near that. And it's like, they ain't got no money for that. And they're just riding their bike and they got some chicken nugget, you know, in the in their backpack and they just riding their bike. Right. So it's like, you know, I, I have sort of a name for myself in the city, you know, I was in the Department of Justice Police Commission here in Cleveland where we, we set forth policies and recommendations for our police department for change. I ran for city council here in Cleveland. I did government affairs here in Cleveland. So to be a young black man from the city of Cleveland at 33, I have a name for myself. So with me having a name for myself and folks knowing who I am, yet and still, I get a, a knee in my back. Like they, they put they put in my back. So those folks who don't have that wherewithal that's in the system, they're just abused and abused. Huh. What is so I guess too, man, like on a, on another tip, like obviously you said like people that are in the in inmates, they were like skeptical of y'all. Like when you come in there and say, hey man, we'll pay your bail for free. But you also probably have like skepticism from like, you know, certain segment of Cleveland is like not appreciating what y'all doing. And I like, have this false sense of like, man, y'all just letting criminals out. Do, y'all, do you see that? Are you having to deal with that? Yeah, I ain't gonna say, we ain't gonna say inmates because like at the end of the day, everyone's presumed innocent until proven guilty. Like innocent yeah. until proven guilty, that's everyone. You know, you do get these folks and it, it goes back to what I said, being approximate and having close proximity. You know, folks who are judgmental where they're totally educated just off what they see on TV, they hear music or so forth, they don't know exactly what's going on. So they right. folks, we're just letting criminals out, but that's not the case. Like even with our process, everyone's presu- presumed innocent, but with interviewing clients, we have we have the ability to see their entire track record. So now if, if uh, what's it, I don't know, I ain't Maryland mass, what's the mass murder name? We're not just letting mass murderers out. If I see somebody with, yeah. with a chronic history of domestic yeah. violence and whooping people's ass, of course I'm not gonna let them out of jail. Like you have a problem, you need help. If anything, I'm going to try to give you some advocacy work and get you into a system mm-hmm. or something. So you do have those folks who believe that we're just letting criminals out. And you have those folks like our judges who some, some of these judges may know that they're doing the wrong thing by giving these folks these bonds, but they have the discretion to decide whether or not they want to set this bond at this amount or this amount. Mm-hmm. But most of our judges are elected. So they, they feel as if, hey, the folks in the hood don't vote like that. They don't vote that much. So... I want to keep my elected seat, so I'm gonna make sure this person stays in jail because they don't want any bad press or bad media or anything. Huh? So when 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 you go in there and you know you're able to pay bail for these for these folks and get them out of jail, do you guys offer any other services for them? So when they're out and even before their court uh, their court date? Yeah. So services we all, we all, we offer wraparound services, our advocacy work. So uh, first first and foremost, so the most important thing is making sure that they return back to court. You know, with typical, uh, like just a basic site and release, say a traffic ticket. You know, most traffic tickets are scheduled for two weeks out. You know, I've missed my fair share of court dates based off traffic tickets. So we send text message reminders to our clients to make sure the week before, three days before, and the day before to make sure they go to court. If they need assistance getting to court, we provide bus passes and also concierge lift rides to make sure they get to court and also get back home uh, after court. Uh, on top of that, we're not a direct service provider, but we provide uh connected with drop jobs, housing, education, rehab, and a whole host of other uh, assistance that you depend on what you may need. So it depends on the individual and the relationships that we have with different agencies throughout the city. Hmm. Okay. Um, so there's, um, 
I guess this, which is true, like people that are in this situation, I think about like Khalif Browder, man, in, in New York City, about his situation when he was at, when he was there, young cat, 16 years old, he gets locked up for something, something petty. And they're like, hey man, if you plead guilty to this, we'll let you go, right? And he's in one of the toughest prisons in the country in Rikers Island. And, he's in, and he still has the wherewithal to be like, yo, I'm not, I'm not guilty. Like I'm not pleading guilty for some shit that I didn't do. Real talk. Uh, do y'all see a lot of that? Like even in Cleveland, just like dudes are just at a at a at a fear. Like, hey man, you can go home right now. Like you can kiss your kids goodnight if you just plead guilty to this. That's typically how it goes. Like typically, like most prosecutors use the, the indictments or the charging process as bargaining chips. So a lot mm -hmm. of times people are overcharged for the crime that they that they're accused of, and they sit in jail. Like have you said, like I said, have you sit in jail for a long period of time under these egregious conditions? You know, now you have, say if you have kids at home, you have a wife at home, and so forth, you, no one wants to be there. So if, if mm -hmm. someone tells me, like, look, if you just plead guilty to this, it's going to be on your record, but you get to go home right now, free of charge. People plead guilty. So now people have a, whether it be a scarlet letter, it, stop, it hinders them from getting jobs, hinders, hinders them from getting housing, it hinders them from, from a lot of things, all because the system fucked them over, all because the system wasn't playing fair. Seriously. <laughs> It's, so, it's such bullshit because it encompasses like so many things, man. It's like the whole entire penal system, you know? The penal, it's, 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 it's all inter it all intersects, like all of it. So like I said, I was on, I was on the police commission and like uh, with the police commission, it's like we made policies directly, like the, the Tamir Rice was killed. We had an incident here in Cleveland that was called 137 Shots where it was two individuals who were in an old Malibu, like a, maybe an 80-something Malibu. We were in downtown Cleveland right outside our justice center. An older car, the car backfired. Like so, officers thought that the gun, the, the, that it was a gun that they were shooting at the officers. So it went on a full high speed chase throughout the city, and this, this, the chase ended in behind one of uh, the junior highs in our cities. And 100, it's 137 shots because they emptied 137 shots into them, into the car, and everything. They killed, they killed both of those folks. So it shows that, like, and I'm saying this to say, like, police reform because it's. Bail starts at the arrest. You know, mm -hmm. whatever that officer puts on that paper, you know, officers have discretion to arrest you or not. Officers can put anything on the paper. They can say, those officers took my freedom. They said, I don't listen. I violated the curfew law when, when in fact I wasn't. So if we don't get true police reform, we're never going to have true bail reform. So all the systems, they're, they're all connected in, in a way. Like, then we can talk about the educational system, whereas if we're not thoroughly educated, we know education has a lot, a lot to do with our, our sort of our, our social, our attainment, you know, our classes, not the class we're going to be in, but how far are we going in life? So they say, how much money will it make? Right. So if you're thoroughly educated or, and you, you can't, that, that's what the success of how far are you going in life, but also it goes with reform and politics and things. You're not thoroughly educated. It's hard for you to give genuine input and have a true knowledge of who to vote for, what not to vote for, because you're not aware and don't know. So, and it can go on, on, on and on from social social justice, environmental justice, where it be uh, the lead in our waters, like yeah. how it impacts impacts people's mental mental uh, mental health, and also, you know, kids, so to say, uh, with some of the illnesses they face. So if you're not 100% yourself, sometimes you, we make decisions that are not that are not in our right minds, and sometimes those decisions can cause us to go to jail. Right. And I mean, even too, like, you know, to, to that point, I mean, we, like black, black communities are over police like shit. And a lot of times, like even in those communities, like these officers ain't never been in those communities outside of just arresting people. 
So they don't right. even know none of the people in the communities, know how to talk to them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's culturally different, right? Like you can't, if you've never been in those communities, you're going to look at somebody instantly and be like that. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in fear of my life. Flat out. And it's, so, and it's like, it's no, it's like you, like you said, policing. Like I live downtown. I grew up in, I grew up on the east side of Cleveland in the hood and I live down here. The amount of officers that I see down here in comparison to sometimes over-policed is, uh, is it, if the inner city and sometimes under-policed is uh, also the inner city, but over-policed causes the increase in uh, the, the folks who get arrested or uh, have crime, but under-policed causes the high increase in surge in violence and murders and crimes. So, uh, but down here, you don't see the that same presence or that same, there's a presence, but the how they treat you is different, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, a different level of respect in a sense where even though I wasn't respected when I was, when I was taking the jail down here, but you down here, it's, it's a different, it's a different level of respect. You know, you're, 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 you're treated as a human that in the hood, you're just a little young black boy from the hood and then you view this, this or view this, that. Yeah. Um, so I guess for me, man, like you're a little bit older than me. I'm 22. You said you was 33, uh, but both being young black dudes in, in this country, man, and knowing the, the hoops that we got to jump through, the hurdles we got to go across, like, selfishly, like, what, what would you recommend to me, man, to, like, keep going? Because you're doing tremendous work, especially in Cleveland, but just continue to the good fight and, like, keep keep going. Because, I mean, at times, it can be so, like, daunting and tiring and uh, shit. I think I think Pac said, man, it was on uh, Kendrick, Kendrick's album, Mortal Man, when he, or the last song in the, I think, Pimp a Butterfly. He's like, you don't, you don't hear no loud mouth 30-year-olds and because the system just wears you down. You know, completely. So I know that was long-winded, but like, what's your advice to that, man? To just keep going. Man, you gotta. It's, it's all about your mental, like mental, like it's all mental. Your your mind is the like the most important thing in, in my opinion. In your body, like you gotta overcome a lot of things. Keep going. So me, what it is for me, as a young black man, like I was blessed and privileged enough to grow up in a household with a two-parent household. So like, and that was an anomaly growing up in uh, the inner city of Cleveland. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure city, across the country. So like, I think. My life was almost like boys in the hood. You know, mm-hmm. like 20 of us that grew up on the street. I'm the only one who played high school ball. Yeah. Did what they did. I go to practice. They come, I come home from practice. They all lined up on the police car for breaking into a woman's house. Yeah. When I graduated high school and I'm the only one who graduated college. So it's more so with me to be a light, like trying to be a light to them and fight for them. Like be the voice for, like using my power and my voice for them. You know, as a young black man, all I can say is like, Make sure you also you always thoroughly thoroughly educating yourself. Stand up on it, like stand on top of everything that's going on, knowing your rights, and also just believe in yourself. It's all about that's what it really pertains to. Just believe in yourself, like knowing I can do it. Because there's been plenty of times where I've been knocked off and, and I had to pull myself back or or, or stay strong. Like it, it's it's mentally exhausting. Like not only interviewing these clients, but also mentally exhausting some of the things that I have to go through myself as a black man. So it just make sure you take care of your mental health. And that's the big, that's the most important thing. That's dope, yo. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So for people that, you know, kind of want to get involved, like in any type of way with the Bell Project, where would you, where would you send them to, to get some of that stuff? So uh, the Bell Project, www.thebellproject.org. It can give you a brief overview of some of the things I said earlier, but it also can just, you know, tell you about some of the work we do in, in other cities and some of the work we do outside of Bell and uh, just, you can donate, and you can maybe apply for a job if you're interested, and just you can also just share the information with other folks who who may not be aware because you know as you said, like with George Floyd, a lot of folks' eyes are being open, but 
we need more eyes to be open to to help create the change that we want to see. You know, like this, this where we at right now. And you're 22. I'm 33. We're right now. We never see this type. This this again. At least I know I won't see it again in my life. It's like it's a it can be a power shift or a, a dynamic shift. And mm-hmm. if you fumble the rock, it's over with. So it, we really have to truly like take advantage of the moment that we're in and keep fighting and like don't let the outside distractions take it off our focus. Straight up, man. Well, well look, dog. I, I appreciate this, man. This is this was dope. I'm just glad I was able to learn something, man. And uh, hopefully, we keep the contact because this was this was dope. For sure. Yeah, man. Straight up. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do it again. Hopefully, sometime soon, man. But uh, I'll be in contact, and I can link you to the the podcast too once I drop. I drop on Thursdays. Already, uh, already checked you out. I, 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 I logged into your podcast on uh, oh, my. Yeah, yeah. That's I cool. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. So we'll keep it going, man.